Welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this episode, we're looking at the outlook for Europe. What are the big trends? How will capital be deployed in 2021? I'm joined by Merger Market's EMEA Managing Editor, John West. So, hi, John. Let's start by having a look at the end of 2020. It was a year like no other last year. But what happens to deal volumes in the region towards the end of the year? Well, there's no there's no getting past the fact that it was a tough year. But it's interesting just, you know, to 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 sort of agree with the framing of your question. It's interesting the degree to which it is a tale of two halves. Deal volumes across Europe in in 2020, 6,658 deals uh, in 2020 across the whole year. That's merger market data, and it's the lowest on on our record since 2013. So no doubt there that it's tough. But if we turn to deal values, very interesting to see that that climbed in Europe 5.6% year on year against a global backdrop of a 6.6% fall. And if you look at uh, the second half of the year, um, the deal values in the second half of, of 2020 in Europe were 88% higher than those in the first half. And um, PE buyouts were a major part of that. So, you know, clear progression in terms of uh, the recovery. November was particularly strong. And 2021, it hasn't got off to a great start in many places such as the UK, but there is cause for optimism with the mass vaccination programme that's underway globally, isn't there? Yes, it's really striking how upbeat dealmakers are. You would look at some of the headlines, uh, appalling headlines about, uh, you know, uh, hospitalizations, fatalities, lockdowns, and assume that the, the mood w- w- was cautious. But I think, you know, deal makers, corporates, private equity, they're looking through um, the the current difficulties to that vaccination program and anticipating uh, where the economy will be perhaps by the third quarter of this year with a great deal of normality restored to some of the pillars of the economy that have been on ice and some of the accelerated trends um, that we that we've seen as a result of the virus around telehealth remote working and many others embedding into deal opportunities And you mentioned it there. We know that private equity is sitting on record levels of dry powder. Could this be the year that it's deployed? Well, I mean, we already saw that in certainly in the fourth quarter of of last year, as I said, and I, I, I believe so. I mean, look, coronavirus has accelerated certain trends whether that's in you know the, the the pillars i mentioned already but also uh, online entertainment tech infrastructure we've we've seen that with the takeout of telefonica's telxius um uh, this month so i th- you know those accelerated trends will will have the um private equity funds licking their lips and thinking about the opportunities that are out there. And what I think is also very interesting is that those sectors of the economy that have bedded down and shuttered, whether that's uh, sort of theatrical entertainment, hospitality, of course, pubs, restaurants, etc., educational settings, um, as those begin to come more online as the year progresses, um, the opportunities are there. And don't forget that there's still a lot of restructuring, you know, very dented companies that have had balance sheet issues. Um, some of them have raised quite a bit of equity in 2020, but there are still airlines too that are looking to rebuild their their, their balance sheets and private equity will definitely play a role there as they look to uh, take a view on the recovery. Uh, and what other sectors do you expect to be active? You mentioned a few of them there. Yes, I think, um, you know, telehealth is perhaps one of the ones where we're seeing most activity, it, just in terms of obviously 
what we've seen, especially in those socialised uh, healthcare systems where the government is dipping its hand into its pocket quite a bit, um, they're actually seeing in many cases the productivity that is coming from people being able to do their GP appointment via video link rather than having to go in obviously doctors therefore able to see many more people that's true in the in the, in north america as well as it is in europe um, and of course with the tech infrastructure we the, the rollout of 5g we've noticed of course that you know huawei is not able to play the role that it could in some european territories as a result of fdi uh, foreign direct investment screening and so there's the opportunity for other players to scale up and there could be uh, the potential for investment clearly required to participate in that and 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 look uh, you know the, the, that that plays in as well you know, with the greater bandwidth for for such things resulting from that infrastructure more online entertainment more remote working applications it's clear that every trend that's related to tech and the way that it's, uh, it, it is revolutionizing our lives has been accelerated online retail too uh, moving away from bricks and mortar everything is founded on tech infrastructure that's definitely going to accelerate but i think that the virus in this case is really just um, sort of turbocharged things that were probably going to happen anyway and one trend we've been seeing a lot in the us is a huge amount of activity to do with special purpose acquisition vehicles or SPACs. I was just reading about the automotive industry in in the US with all the electric vehicle technology and they've been taking advantage of these vehicles. Is that vehicle, excuse the the pun there, um, (laughs) is that something you're expecting to see more of in the European region and have there been any of note recently? Well, indeed. And it's interesting you should mention electric, uh, you know, electric vehicles, because obviously, uh, you know, here here in Europe, in the UK, the electric vehicle uh, group Arrival said in November that it was going to go public on NASDAQ via a merger with the US-based SPAC uh, CIIG uh, merger corp. $5.4 billion enterprise value. So we're talking really huge opportunities that can be there. Uh, clearly, we, we, in 2020, we already saw um, a number of European companies deciding to list via SPAC mergers. But as, as with the case with Arrival, uh, primarily US SPACs. Um, but what I think is, is, is interesting is that a handful of, of European uh, blank check companies uh, went public in 2020. I mean, uh, 2MX Organic, a good example, raised 300 million euros in a Paris IPO. Um, but I think that we're definitely going to see uh, some more of that in, in 2021. One of the things that we've seen over the last five or six years is uh, some stickiness in that route to market on the on the public markets, uh, some debate about whether the book build uh, um, uh, and, and the investor education process just runs a bit too long or is too cumbersome for many companies, especially at an early stage. The SPAC uh, route which is, you know, effectively takes a kind of private equity view. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're putting money into the blank check company on the basis of your view or, or your uh, conviction on the on the uh, deal makers at the top of it. In a way, seems to make it easier for, for for those vehicles to then take private companies public. And it seems that uh, the mood music is that we're going to see more of that in Europe this year. 
Uh, yeah, seen by many as a shortcut to a listing, and it's something we saw a lot with mining companies some some time ago. Although they, many of them weren't very successful. I was going to say that that perhaps isn't necessarily the the, <laughs> the 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 sort of track record that people want to point to. But I think if you if you look at some of those um, industries that uh, well, the electric vehicle industry that you mentioned at the top there, um, there are quite a few in, in in that in that vein or related to some of the tech trends that we 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 mentioned earlier, that I really believe um, offer such evident upside if you you know if you manage to align yourself with those trends but also deliver products to market in short order and that's that's particularly the key it's something that for example Nikola are, are slightly struggling with in terms of their electric uh, their hydrogen fuel trucks in the United States but if you can get a product to market there are lots of industries where the growth return profile is potentially huge and SPACs definitely will be a better route for market for some of those companies than the traditional listing route. And staying with the theme of listening, what about the traditional IPO market? How is that shaping up for 2021? Having just dissed it, <laughs> I would say that actually the uh, the IPO pro- prospects are are indeed solid. You know, despite the, the the kind of headlines you're seeing around coronavirus and lockdowns, the the VIX index remains roughly at 25, which is a kind of sweet spot for for placings. There are uh, a great many good companies that are looking to list, and some of them fall into those kind of categories that we were talking about of, of, of that have been accelerated as a result of the coronavirus. I think the jury is a little bit out on whether Deliveroo, which is the kind of food delivery company that's uh, widely expected to make a listing attempt in the first quarter, UK-based, now they they obviously have a, a business model of you know securing a network of of riders. It's kind of Uber esque in that sense, a network of riders who deliver food for different restaurants. Um, some debate as to whether it's really a logistics company or whether it, it really should be a, a considered a tech company. Um, and and there's a degree to which, as with all gig economy players, um, it's it's either is it really a tech company or a kind of regulatory arbitrage on employment law and the kind of public's willingness to accept quite flexible contracts for for workers who aren't necessarily earning a great deal. So I think that those issues will definitely come up in the investor education phase. It's a really interesting deal, a bit of a bellwether for the European and UK IPO markets, but there does seem to be a lot of excitement about it because food delivery and and ordering through an app and the tech-related side of it, it does seem to, at least at face value, play into those tech uh, themes that we were discussing earlier. And also on the ECM front, what about rights issues? We saw quite a few companies move quickly at the start of the pandemic to um, shore up their balance sheets. Will we be seeing more of those? Yes, it was fascinating. I think that the UK authorities in particular moved very swiftly in the sort of first part of the pandemic to say, look, you know, cash box placements typically capped at 10% of the capital of a company that could be lifted to 20% without having to invoke preemption rights. And that flexibility gave a lot of companies the ability to go to market with accelerated book builds, block trade style capital raises. We did, of course, as you said there, also see some rights issues. No doubt about it, we're still going to see some of those in 2021. Um, 
a lot of those who tapped the market in 2020 have waited to see where the economy is going. And I think with some of the leading indicators, and especially if the vaccines roll out the way they should, I think we'll see some continued activity um, where I think perhaps the equity story for some of those capital raises will be a little better. They'll be able to say, look, yes, we do need to restore the balance sheet, but here's our growth plan from this point now that there's a bit more uh, of a sense of where the economy is going. But yes, I think we definitely will see some more of those. Where I think we'll still continue to see challenging uh, conditions is in the bricks and mortar retail sector. Um, it's very difficult to, you know, some of these companies that we've seen fall by the wayside are, 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 you know, household names, national institutions of the like people didn't think would 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 collapse. The truth of the matter is that no bricks and mortar retail operation has a right to exist. And with everything transferring so much online, it's it's somewhat more difficult to see the kind of restructurings and equity tickets getting over the line in, in, in that particular segment. Yeah, and that's obviously having a knock-on impact on some of those uh, commercial landlords that are, that are waiting or, or haven't been paid any rent for some time. Indeed. And looking at the different countries within the European region, where are the bright spots and where are the, the problems? Well, I think that one of the, I wouldn't go as far as to say problem, but one of the areas to watch a little bit in, in as the year progresses is obviously with the UK, a lot of people had hoped that we'd put Brexit perhaps to bed with the trade agreement that was reached on Christmas Eve. However, um, anyone following the headlines will be well aware of the fact that there are massive logistical issues, companies in the UK and in Europe getting to grips with um, the, the new customs regimes, particularly the export of goods from Great Britain to Northern Ireland and from Great Britain to European Union, lots of uh, lots of concerns about fish uh, and the, the catch certificates and health certificates and other things that have to be filled in. Some debate as to whether this is just teething problems or just simply the new reality that this has gummed up business quite a bit. I think that there are opportunities and uh, I think that the, the services sector, which isn't really touched by the trade agreement, could continue to see uh, some growth in deals. But I think anything related to logistics and trade, people might just hold off until later in the year to see whether those Brexit things are teething problems or not. More broadly in the region, I think that, you know, obviously Germany, France, Italy, generally seen as the motors of, of European growth, how they go goes the continent. Um, in Germany, as you will be well aware, um, Angela Merkel steps down in, in, in September. Italy, we have at the moment a significant crisis with a minority party led by Matteo Renzi pulling out of the ruling coalition. France, politically stable, but with more than half an eye on the presidential elections next year, it's quite possible that the European Union will feel a little rudderless for the next 18 months. And so I see, you know, although the vaccine rollout is the main macro indicator and as that goes, you know, as long as that goes well, then the deal flow will follow. But on the macro side, there are those geopolitical risks, which I think could could potentially throw a spanner in the works. But I've got to say that the overall view from dealmakers is upbeat and positive. And as they see those vaccine numbers uh, tick up, I think, you know, that that for me is the key risk rather than geographical picking. It's simply a case of 
as long as that number continues to climb the way that uh, we hope it does, and as long as the rollout of the vaccine outpaces the new variants that are that are cropping up, then um, the deal maker's optimism will be well founded. Great, thanks very much, John. Thank you. That was Merger Markets EMEA Managing Editor John West speaking to me, Juliana Needham. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast, presented to you by Merger Market and SSNC Intralinks. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.